You're listening to Atheistically Speaking. Hello and welcome to Atheistically Speaking. This is episode 135 with your host, Thomas Smith. With me right now is Megan. How are you, Megan? I'm good. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Oh, thanks for uh, letting me know. you. Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> I'm very excited because uh, Megan had uh, messaged me about the fact that uh, she heard the Mormon ex-Mormon podcast I did. And uh, it was good, but we had all male voices. And she said, are you interested in, you know, the female perspective on that? And I said, absolutely, yes. And uh, so I'm really excited to hear about it. Great, great. So if you don't mind, can you give, you know, your background and and as regards religion and Uh start to dissect the the differences and stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess I could start with my Mormon cred, right? (laughs) I was raised Mormon. Uh, my on one side of my family were from pioneer stock, uh, and uh, went back several generations of Mormons, plenty of polygamous ancestors on one side, and then on my <laughs> other side, yep, on the other side, I have uh, great grandparents immigrated from Germany right before World War II to join the church. So I've had a pretty, pretty most, I would say, pretty much all of my family is Mormon. Um, on, on both sides, with a few slowly sneaking their way out. Uh, but yeah, very, very strong Mormon ties. So you're saying that all nine or ten of your grandmothers are Mormon. Is that what you're saying? No, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I'm not, I haven't quite kept uh, track of that. My, um, my grandparents are really into genealogy. Um, that's a big Mormon thing. Most Mormons are all into that stuff. And, and my grandparents like to... Uh, a downplay that uh, polygamy uh, yeah. aspect of our. I was gonna say that must look interesting on yeah. that family tree. Like, yeah, what do you it do really with that? is. Yeah. It really is kind of funny, and uh, and it's kind of I don't know. Uh, with such a strong like background in Mormonism, you'd think, oh, that's just something you used to do. At least for you know the, the Mormon Church that uh, spread in um, in Salt Lake City, and not the other kind of. Uh, uh, breakoff groups, but right. people especially are very, it's a very taboo topic to talk about uh, polygamy in the Mormon past. People really are uncomfortable with that, uh, for sure. That's that's not a nice thing. Which is but, more taboo, that or the thing about them not allowing black people into the church? Oh, that would be... Yeah, <laughs> Tough contest? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Both of those, I think uh, most Mormons would try to steer clear of yeah. and change the subject really quickly, <laughs> I think. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I grew up mostly in Utah, a little bit in Idaho, um, and uh, that's a pretty heavily... Uh, both those areas were pretty heavily heavily populated by Mormons. Uh, what um, some people might call the Morador. That's my favorite <laughs> term for like this kind of strip of the United States that is quite a few Mormons have a, have a, there's big populations of Mormons. Oh, in that's that awesome. Area. I love so, it. Plus there's yeah. a big tower, right? With an eye on top of it. I'm yes, pretty sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah I guess there is that way. Mormon, whatever that tower is, right? Oh, yeah. um, I'm not 
not sure. We have our temple down uh, in Salt Lake. Well, but... it's that. Oh, maybe maybe tower is the wrong word. But there's that. Uh-huh. Isn't there? Um, what is it with the the thing on top of it? What am I thinking of? Oh, on, maybe Mormon. like um, this is the place. Maybe like <laughs> What's I think that? there's a little statue. Like this is the place, kind of the Brigham Young statue. Oh, maybe. okay, yeah, maybe that's it. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, put we an eyeball on top of that, would you? Yeah, um, we'll do yeah. that. We'll do that for sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe some googly eyes, like yeah. a little googly eye. Yeah, for sure. For Keep sure. an eye on all the the sinners. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah, so I grew up um, really strong. You know, Mormon. Um, there's uh, you know, very believing. I had my, you know, issues with the culture and with the doctrines really young. Um, but I, you know, was a good little Mormon girl. I, you know, had a great relationship with my parents, never had any issues of being a rebellious teenager or anything like that. And, um, yeah, went to LDS seminary in high school. I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with that, but, uh, if you're a good Mormon kid, um, and you're in a heavily populated uh, Mormon town, they'll build a building right next to the high school, and um, uh, you'll have a release period. All the Mormons will walk over um, to that uh, building and go to seminary, and it'll just all be um, just Mormon doctrine, and you'll go over, you know, you'll switch the different um, scriptures every year and memorize a bunch of scriptures and all that for the four years you're in high school. Oh, so it's yep. like, a, is it... You said if you're a good more, is it like a accelerated thing or is it only for? No, no, no okay. it's yeah, it'd like be a separate um, program. Kind of oh, it's yeah, expected. Kind okay. of expected. Yeah, um, if you are um, in somewhere where there's less of a Mormon presence, you'll usually have it as a church calling. So they'll, um, so in the church, they'll ask them to uh, do an early Mormon, early morning uh, seminary class, and uh, the teenagers will probably go over there to that teacher and uh, learn about the scriptures, usually probably about five in the morning. Um, I got to go uh, early morning seminary at the school I was at in Boise for a while. And also when I moved back to Utah, um, nice early six in the morning to learn about Jesus and the Book of Mormon and all that fun stuff for four years of high school. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was very interesting. I have some... Uh, I don't know why, but um, a lot of seminary teachers uh, are a little bit crazy. Um, I, they're <laughs> maybe it's because they just teach teenagers about the Book of Mormon all the time. But yeah, um, they're very eccentric characters for sure. Let's put it that way. A lot of them are really like nice, cool people, um, but you tend to get some some eccentric types. That'd probably be the, the best way to put it. I'm not sure if that was just my experience or common, but um, well, I do remember yeah. that. Uh, um some of the uh, let's see one of or maybe both of my past my mm-hmm. Mormon guests I, yeah, I, yeah. I remember their missions I think they had some colorful characters there that they yes, didn't, didn't yes. like so yeah it's got to uh-huh, take a weird sure. kind of person to want to do some of that stuff you know yeah, not always really, but yeah. Um, yeah it's really interesting I think a lot of it comes from I had a friend who um uh, has since left the Mormon church, but he started the process of learning to be a, a CES instructor, church educational system instructor, seminary teacher. Um, and he started that process while he was at BYU to become a seminary teacher. And I think like for um, a lot of people, it's just the sense of like doing good, right? Like with any, um, you know, if you go to be a teacher in just any regular subject, I think it's, uh, oh, you're going to help these teenagers, you're going to guide them along, you know, show them 
you know, how to be a, a good human being and do the right thing. And, and so I think that's at least for a lot of people um, and for my friend, definitely, that was that was a big appeal is to just, you know, be a good Mormon and, and help other people, you know, young kids be good Mormons, too. All right. Well, you've got uh, so you're, you're going through this all through yep. high school and doing yep, those yep, extra yep. classes, mm-hmm. which I'm sure are a load yeah. of fun. Yeah, and uh, and I um, I don't know if your other guests I don't believe they talked about like the young women's young men's uh, groups oh, at all. Oh no, None that sounds that. familiar, but I might be remembering it from something else. I don't think yeah. Bill and Gerald talked about that, so feel yeah, free. Yeah, I don't to. think they did. But um, so quick summary: uh, once you turn twelve, whether you're a boy or a girl, um, you'll start attending. Um, uh, well, maybe I should go back a little bit. Our church every Sunday is three hours long. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> and uh, usually there's a bunch of other activities associated with the Sunday as well, but three hours at least, and uh, and you'll have sacrament meeting where everyone, family, kids are all at a meeting. Uh, members of the church will give talks. Um, we'll take the sacraments, that sort of thing. Uh, afterwards, you go to if you're a teenager, twelve um, through eighteen, you'll go to young women's, young men. The boys and girls are divided up, of course. The boys uh, at that point will get the priesthood, and the girls learn a lot about housekeeping and <laughs> keeping the the boys innocent and pure. Because of course, we are the reason that uh, young men would um, have impure thoughts and sure. yeah. naughty things like masturbating and that sort of thing. And so uh, <laughs> we'll have lessons about that, and um, we have we would start every hour of that time at church doing a little, what was it called? Oh, it's been so long now. The Young Women's Theme. Yes, that's what it was called. And it was this kind of mantra we recited about how we would strengthen home and family and, and all these virtues that we try to um, aspire to uh, and how we'd be great mothers in Zion, you know, eventually and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think the, the biggest difference is between how a young Mormon males raised and a young Mormon female is raised, I think really starts at that age where uh, the narratives of how you're expected to be really start um, in that class and, and you learn, okay, well, this is what's expected of me. The boys are expected, like your guess that's time talked about, are expected to go on a mission, um, come back, get married, that sort of thing, make sure that they can be the providers in their family. And the girls are taught, okay, you're supposed to stay modest, stay covered, so you don't tempt those evil young men uh, to evil and um, prepare and sort of that preparation to be a mother. So I think those are the, the chief differences um, at that age and how, you know, our roles kind of diverge, especially at that point. How did, how did you uh, receive that message? Did that go down? Oh, I, no, no. Um, I think, and I I really struggled with that message that my purpose as a woman, uh, Mormons are very, it, it's very clear that your role as a woman, your divine role, you know, this is, this is what God intends your purpose to be on this earth. Well, yeah, they got to um, sell it. Yeah. A, yeah your yeah. premium oh, yeah. role. <laughs> this is a big sell. Your, your role as a woman is to get married to a worthy priesthood holder, preferably an RM, of course, a uh, return missionary. And to have lots of children and um, raise them to be good Mormons. And that was very much drilled into me as a kid. And I really struggled with that. Um, I really struggled with um, depression as well as that t- uh, around that time. And I had just so little confidence. And just being told that this is, this is what you must do. You must get married. 
you have to do this. And I just sat there thinking, I no, I don't want that. I, uh, I yeah. well, I don't want to, you know, there's all this focus on getting married and, and uh, like, I'm not really interested in getting married or having kids anytime soon. You know, I want to, even though I, I don't think there's any, um, Mormons are, they're, they're pretty good at encouraging young women to go to college, but it's more for the purpose. And I think this kind of goes back to what your guests were saying last yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, to, to get an education, yes, but um, also to get married and that education that you receive in college um, is, is all, it's kind of like a plan B. You know, it's right. in case something happens to your husband, you get sick, you know, at least you won't be high and dry. Um, and because there's so much focus on men are the providers, men are the mm. presiders in the household, women, um, you know, if, if uh, you know, I had a lot of, uh, I had one person at, um, I went to BYU. So I have some fun stories about that too. Surprise, that surprise, yeah. <laughs> surprise, isn't it? And it's so funny because I really um, never thought I'd go to BYU. I think that was kind of my kind of push against Mormon culture going back to the time when I was 12 and even women and being told, this is what you should do. This is what you uh, need to do. And this is what you should want. And feeling very guilty um, that I didn't want that. I didn't want to have a ton of kids. I didn't want to... You know, I had so many friends that were so um, just uh, planning their weddings and just being very uh -huh. excited. Kind of, it's, I wonder if it connects to, uh, I know a lot of Mormons, especially um, women Mormons that are, just love Disney and love that Disney princess oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> just obsessed with it. And, and that was kind of the message you fed that your daughter's gods, you know, you, you are, um, you know, you're a princess and your prince is going to... Uh, take you to this palace, the temple, right, to get married, and you're going to get married, and you're just going to be taken care of because you're a beautiful, wonderful princess. And I think that was a lot of the stuff that really made me uncomfortable as a kid and as a teenager and to this day um, was that uh, that kind of benevolent sexism, like putting women on a pedestal. You're yeah. perfect. You're more spiritual. You know, you need to be, you need to stay at home and just raise these kids because you're just so naturally nurturing and wonderful kids. Like, why would we want some, you know, uh, why would we want men to stay at home when we're just, just meant to be, you know, there and taking care of the kids and just innately better at that sort of thing. Did you have uh, anyone to talk about this to where, where you're, oh, no. Where, okay. No, so were your parents no. right there along with that message? Oh, I Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, my parents, I had great parents, but they're very invested um, in in those teachings. My mom, um, and this might be an interesting statistic for you and your listeners, uh, Utah has the highest rate of women dropping out of college. Right, um, yeah. And yeah, and... Because um, they get their MRS? Get or <laughs> yeah, they get married. Um, usually uh, they have kids. Like that, That's what my um, mom did. She uh, got pregnant with me her junior year of uh, college after she married my dad and um, dropped out of school and my dad was planning on getting a master's degree somewhere else so they just left and did his you know he was in charge of providing so of course she would um, do what uh, whatever is needed so that my dad could be a, a provider um, I have an interesting anecdote about that uh, it's not mine, but I think it kind of um, shows a really good example of what it's like to be a Mormon woman and going to college. Uh, my husband was out with a few female friends. He, he attended BYU as well. All these 
girls were, you know, uh, Mormon girls from BYU, um, and they were, one of the girls was talking about how she was about to graduate college. She had this great job lined up, and she was super excited about it. But then she said, well, I'm just worried about getting into serious relationship because then that means that um, we'll have to move away, you know, so, so he can pursue uh, what he wants to do, right, and, yeah. and school that he wants to do, whatever that um, might be, especially since more men are, are often expected to get careers that are high-earning, um, usually, uh, like doctors, lawyers, that sort of thing. Um, it's a very common business, um, big focus on that. Uh, and my husband was really surprised about this, and he's like, why? That's stupid. Like, why would you do what was best for you and your spouse? You know, if it would be your job or his job, whatever, you know, you make a decision based on what would be best for you as a family. And she said, well, everything I do is a plan B. All of my education and career goals are always plan B because his career and educational goals have to take precedence. Um, oh, right? Man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so I think, you know, you have plenty of women going to college, more women who are encouraged to do that. But always with the expectation that um, whatever they have planned as far as career or education goes is always plan B. So if they marry a nice guy and get um, and he wants to go to school in another state, uh, well then they do that no matter where they are at their you know in their degree program or or you know um, what they're doing you know no matter how much they're invested into that. And um, so yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's a very strong narrative that you're taught to perform, you know, being a woman and a man, of course. And I think your your guests um, talked quite a bit about that and yeah. what was respected in that in that path as well. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I, I don't know why <laughs> religion, especially Mormonism, has to be so married yeah. to these gender roles. It's like, oh right? yes, I, I... well, we have a gerontocracy, right? All our church leaders are elderly men. Um, and so that 1950s mentality of a woman stay, stays home and has takes care, you know, has children, takes care of the house, the man goes out and provides, um, I think is, is where that mainly comes from. Um, and, and it's just what's being taught. And that's why Mormon culture and Mormon doctrine is always, you know, a good 40, 50 years behind the times, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it might be interesting sometime to talk about, like, there are definitely positive consequences of some of these oh, doctrines. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I like mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, someone, I mean, it sucks that it's only yeah. men, but that someone yeah. is being encouraged to be a provider and go find, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. a good career. And I think that surprisingly, well, maybe not surprisingly, but a very significant um, there, there seems to be a, a very significant difference in, in uh, how well Mormons do relative to yeah. everyone else. Like they do yeah. pretty well for themselves. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just a shame mm -hmm. that, you know, they can't just apply that to either side. I mean, how about anyone yeah. just be, get a good yeah. job and be a provider and, yeah. you know, do what's, do what's best for, for both mm -hmm. of you. Rather mm -hmm. than, <laughs> so yeah. Well, I think that that goes to how boys, how boys are raised differently than girls in the Mormon church is the boys are trained to be leaders. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, there is, I can only think of one exception where, um, a man is not over a woman in the church organization. Um, in every sense, except for you have um, primary, right? The kind of children's, uh, uh, where the children's will go for church lessons during that um, hour of that three-hour Sunday block. 
um, they only have women as primary presidents. Uh. Um, and so you might have some, uh, usually it's couples that are the teachers underneath that primary president and will teach the children. But that's the only time where you have a female that might have some uh, authority over a man. But in every other situation, it's always, um, you have, you know, the bishop, you know, it's, which is kind of the, uh, I'm trying to think of a good parallel, um, like a priest, right? The, uh, sure. Yeah, the leader of the congregation, right? Everything, you know, whether it's the ward clerk, the, the two counselors the bishop has, um, everywhere else, it's always um, a male authority over a female authority. And this, this goes without saying, but I, I, I want to just say it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. how, yeah, yeah. how depressing is it to think about how many talented and, and intelligent women may have missed out on, and yeah. society may have missed out on yeah. these women, you know? How Absolutely. depressing is yeah. that? Absolutely. It's, it's very true. And you have a lot of um, groups now, nowadays of uh, liberal Mormon feminists that have been really trying to change those things and, and bring, um, bring awareness, you know? Yeah. And they've met a lot of resistance. Um, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's some great. It's it's been picked up uh, by the news, um, you know, bigger media outlets like about ordained women and how they're really pushing for women to be ordained to the priesthood because, of course, women cannot be ordained to the ordained to the priesthood. Well, that would be sort of toward the bottom of my list of things that <laughs> I would I would say so too. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting moving out of the church and yeah. being like, I don't think that would really help. <laughs> I mean, I guess it couldn't hurt, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might be better, but the whole institution, I'd rather just disappear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would much rather that, you know, any, any good that it does, um, I think is despite the church, you right. know, as an organization, um, and it's because of the individual members that are just good, decent human beings that are just trying to do their best. But yeah, the, the recent, um, news with, um, ordained women was, uh, their their founder leader uh, Kate Kelly was uh, excommunicated. I think this was last summer. Yes, that's right. So any kind of push, especially by a woman, <laughs> doesn't go so well. It's it's just not. You know, I think there's a sense when all your everyone that has authority over you is a man in church, um, and everyone on the stand, you know, that's presiding over a meeting, um, are men. Uh, when you read the scriptures, right, um, there's very few women uh, in all our teaching materials. There's very few quotes uh, from women. Um, it's all from, obviously, we have male prophets from Joseph Smith, right, and male priesthood leaders. Um, so it's so ingrained in that culture um, that I think there's not very many good examples for the women of the church to see, oh, yeah, I can be a leader. Um, I can, you know, it's just, it's very much, you're just not expected to speak up or take leadership roles. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's very, very geared toward men and there's, there's not currently in any incentive to change that until people start speaking up more. Yeah. And, and that I think was really distressing um, to see the reaction of women saying, okay, this is a problem. You know, um, the fact that, for example, uh, the um, Delius Church has this women's organization that, that they like to say is like the longest running like women's organization in America. Uh, but what's really funny is, and it's called the Relief Society. Sorry, I should mention that. Relief Society. Um, and it used to have, until I think about the 60s, it used to have 
uh, the women that were in charge of the Relief Society had a lot more say in what was taught um, during the Relief Society portion of that, six, that um, three hour block at church. Um, what things were discussed and their budget, that sort of thing. But in the 60s, uh, I'm pretty sure um, because of the um, Equal Rights Amendment and all the controversy around that and feminism, uh, that power was taken away from the Relief Society female leaders and put back uh, into the hands of the male leadership. So nowadays, all the Relief Society materials um, and lessons all have to be approved by uh, a male priesthood leader, you know, in the church. So, oh, and and there's also interesting facts about history where women used to be allowed to give priesthood blessings in our in our history as well. So there's lots of ways that um, women's power uh, in the church has been um, kind of slowly less and less, I think, especially with the advent of feminism and those fears, um, I think, conservative people might sometimes have. Mm. Well, let's get back to your storyline, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you uh, you did go, I think, let's see, where were we last? You were going through, you know, high school and getting that mm-hmm. terrible message and... Uh, with yeah. no one to really talk to about it. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I, I don't know uh, too much about your age or anything, but I, did yeah. you have the internet as an outlet for, uh, for any yeah. of that or? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, I'm 24 now. Um, okay. So uh, when I went to college, I went to BYU and I wasn't very particular how I, you know, a lot of, there, I think there is kind of like a push, like, oh, BYU, you know, you want to go there. And, you know, I was always told, and maybe it's just a Utah thing, but, oh, it's such a great, you know, college. And because you're a member, it's so cheap. And, and uh, so there was kind of that, like, BYU is a great place to go um, and that kind of push. And my parents were really pushing me to do that. And um, in my senior year of high school, I was just having fun. I wasn't too worried. So I wasn't too concerned about where I was going to go. So I thought, well, they want me to go there. And, you know, I, I'm a good kid so I'll just go there it's not going to be a big deal um, well you but, say you're a good kid so I mean you didn't I guess those concerns over the Mormon message about no. women was not no. enough to no no well I think I as uncomfortable as that made me and as angry as it made me I can remember times thinking and this was when I was young probably like 12 or 13 where I'm like I don't want to get married I don't want to have kids I'm going to hell which is kind of funny especially <laughs> since Mormons don't really believe in hell um, oh, not really, really anyway. It's, it's more, um, it's our version would be, our, I say our, their version would be, uh, outer darkness, right? And so, um, the only way you get there is if you deny the Holy Ghost, right? So mm. it's a very difficult place to get to, um, but you have the three heavens, right? You have the celestial, the telestial, and the celestial. I think I might be mixing some of those up, but the celestial is the highest. And that's the one that you go to if you're a good Mormon, you pay your tithing, you go to the temple, you get baptized. Anyway, but I can, I'm digressing a little bit. Um, (laughs) No, that's okay. I don't don't mind. Finish the thought. It's all fascinating, crazy stuff. I didn't, Um, I didn't know about these three heavens. I don't think I remember mentioning. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And I wish I could remember. I always get the last two mixed up, but yeah, the celestial, that's where you want to go. Right? Oh, okay. It's, it's, oh, so it's when I'm when I'm yeah, punching my ticket, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah. I need to make sure to say uh, celestial heaven, please. Yes, yes. Although you need to make sure that you 
the temple. Yeah. No, actually, and... I do everything. Everything from the church, I could almost do except uh, the the football commitment on Sunday. That's just uh, not. I mean, I'm not even yeah. that big of a football fan. But uh-huh. still, there's just no, there's no way. I mean, yeah, there's that one, it's that three hour block. But, yeah, there's, there's no way. No I want to be meetings. watching football. And then if you're a kid, it's even worse. You got to go to another thing after that for hours. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Yep, yep. Out. Yeah, I'm out. If it's between a footballless life and then going to, you know, outer darkness, uh, I'll take outer darkness. Maybe there's football there. Yeah, I kind of realized that myself. I'm like, I'm okay with that. I'll be in good company. <laughs> um, but uh, so then you have the next lowest, which is either terrestrial or telestial. I can't quite remember which goes first. It's been a while since I've been attending church. But you have the middle one. And that's for people that are otherwise good human beings. They just didn't receive the the truth and the, you know, um, uh the gospel of salvation, right, um, that comes from the Mormon church. So just good, you know, God-fearing people that did good in their lives. They go in the middle one. The last one, this is the one for atheists, uh, for rapists, for murderers, right? Uh, and it's the least nice heaven. It's just not quite Oh, but it's nice still heaven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fine. I'll just go there. That's yeah, nice. I'll just hang out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, just have like a little atheist section, you know. How many channels do you get there? Do, they, do you know? Do they work know. that out? It's probably pretty bad in uh, the lowest. Bad reception. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you get a lot of static. Maybe you can yeah, bring some rabbit ears. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, I'll, I'll wait until they issue some, you know, like official decrees about which channels I get. But yeah. I think for yeah. now I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm, I'm okay mm-hmm. with, with the third heaven. Okay, all right. Yeah, and and going back, your guest mentioned also like the whole idea of uh, becoming a god um, yeah. and having your own planet. That only is for just the very, I think even, oh, this is this has been so long. The celestial is technically divided up into three other sections. And if you're the highest of the highest, you know, kingdom of heaven, the celestial kingdom, that's when you get to uh, be a god and... Um, make your own planets and people and that sort of thing but you have to be married you know um and uh yeah yeah so that's that's kind of the basic okay so that's um, is that but is that something as a mormon is every mormon thinking yeah i'm gonna have my own planet i'm probably gonna oh yeah it. oh okay. oh that's the that's a big draw like you yeah. have people and it's funny because i think our um the the mormon church's previous prophet uh gordon hinkley um he uh, said on, I think it was 50 minutes, Larry King. I can't quite remember, but he was saying like, Oh, I, I don't know that we teach that people can become gods. I, I've never heard that. And it's, and it's hmm. hilarious to someone who grew up Mormon. Cause that is a big deal. That's something that's mentioned quite a bit. Just as kind of a fun little thing. Oh, on my planet, you know, we're, we're only going to have, I don't know, like mountains so I can go skiing or, or whatever, you know, the big, whatever the big draw is, yeah. you know, my planet, it's, you know, it's just kind of like this fun, exciting thing. Yeah. On my planet, up is down, left is right, and dogs and cats will live together in harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a big, like, exciting draw, I think, for for um, LDS people in that, mm. you know, being a god, having a planet, and having, you know, authority over that. All right, so you're at BYU, you're, where are we here? Oh, yes, BYU. The, probably um, a huge mistake for me to go to BYU. Mm. Although, although, 
um, it helped me to uh, get to the place where I am now, and I'm a much happier, healthy person. So maybe it all worked out for the best. Uh, but BYU is a really interesting place because all the quirks and eccentricities of Mormon culture are just such an extreme at BYU. It's like this whole um, pressure cooker of just everything that's just ugh, terrible about Mormon culture. And there's also, you know, also you see a lot of good aspects of it, but um, a lot of it's worst aspects of sexism and homophobia and just um, this sense of, you know, trying to keep these college students as children and giving them very little freedom while they're there and very little academic um, freedom as well. Um, and, you know, despite I had great professors, I had really awesome professors. And, and I think that's why I kind of talked myself into staying there even when I um, was transitioning out of the church. Um, there's lots of other factors to that, but it is a really interesting place to go to as um, a Mormon who is believing, at least at first, but still struggling with some of the aspects of uh, Stupid Mormon. question. Is it just assumed, like, is it just 100% Mormon there? I mean, is it just every professor? Uh, not 100%. Not 100%. 98%. Um, there's okay. actually a, a small amount of Muslims that go to BYU. Um, we huh. have a BYU had a, has a very strict, what we call an honor code, where it's an honor code of modesty, right? Us girls, we have to wear shorts to the knee. Um, you know, we can't wear any tank tops. you got to wear some sleeve shirts. Um, you're not allowed to have piercings. The boys are not allowed to have beards, although they may have a mustache, which is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and I, it's, all, it's all very, um, the whole honor code, I think, came about in the 60s. And it was oh, it's, it was a very like anti hippie movement, you oh. know. So they had long hair. They There's made still some shade. dated references in there. Oh, so yeah. much, so much so. And um, uh, it's it's you you when you live um, on campus, there's certain rules. But if you go to BYU, you have to live within a two mile radius of the campus, and you have to live in BY approved housing. Uh, yeah. So there's certain role, uh, rules that go along with that. Some of them are just basic, like, oh, the kids you know, students must have a desk provided by the landlord, and they must you know, have this big of a space to live in. Um, but there's, men and women not living together. Oh, of course not. Yeah. No, not under the same roof. Not under the same roof. So if there's an apartment building where the, the roofs connect, you know, you couldn't have them in the same area. Uh, so, yeah, so no, no co-ed, you know. Uh, stuff going on. Um, there's also really funny things like uh, there was kind of this rule, rule against um, members of the opposite sex using your bathroom. Uh, most <laughs> people ignored that because it was so ridiculous. Um, but that was kind of like try not to let them in the bathroom. But if there's an emergency, I guess that's all right. Um, yeah, and then, got, course, I, I'd be curious yeah. if there's an official application process in event of emergency. Like, dude, this uh, is an emergency. I need to go. Sometimes that way. Um, but, Someone uh, call the was, church. I need to yeah. use your restroom really badly. Oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of felt that way sometimes. And, of course, there's no members of the opposite sex that are allowed in your bedroom. Uh, there are certain rules about curfew, so I think it depended on the day, um, but it was usually before midnight. You had to pick, you know, the numbers of the opposite Is BYU out your... entirely private, or is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just, just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so they they get away with a lot of interesting yeah. Well, things. private school. Um, I mean, I I you know a private school can do it 
you want to a reasonable degree. I mean, that's fair. And that's actually kind of an interesting thing. Um, BYU has this fun policy where uh, if you're a Mormon at BYU and you decide to leave Mormonism um, or switch to another religion, uh, you are booted out of the university. Wow. Um, whereas, you know, you could be a non-Mormon and go to BYU. Uh, you'd still have to go through the process of getting ecclesi- what we call an ecclesiastical endorsement from whoever your church leader was. And if you convert to Mormonism, you know, you're great, you're good. But if you are a Mormon who then leaves Mormonism all at BYU, you are kicked out of BYU. Well, that, I'm surprised uh, they can get away with that part. Well, what's really interesting is there is a group of uh, former BYU students, a lot of the ex-Mormons that are petitioning um, whoever regulates BYU as an academic uh, university um, and is making the case that that's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I think that I I don't yeah. know that mm-hmm. you're allowed to violate you know constitutionally protected exactly. rights in that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so yeah. that's basically their argument. So I'm interested to see how this um, how that will turn out. Um, but you so said yeah. you decided to stay. How did the, how does that work? Well, here's what happened. So I had a really tough year at BYU. Um, my first year, I was so depressed. Um, I've always struggled with depression, but that was that was rough. I didn't really fit in very well. Um, I just wasn't really interested in. Uh, let's see, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to to swear, but the BS, right? Um, oh yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So uh, there, it's really interesting at BYU. There's a lot of um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe this aspect of uh, the church and you know the the rules um, at the university trying to keep uh, these 18 year old, you know, 18 year olds and up, uh, a lot like children, but, um, it's kind of like a meat market at BYU. You, you go to all the church activities and, uh, and, um, Sunday school, right. To see and be seen, right. Cause you're all looking for the person you're going to get married, right. You want to <laughs> find the hot RM to get married to, uh, to the point where the ward directory, right. The church directory, um, would, uh, and have your picture and your number, right, in the ward. Uh, that was called the menu. <laughs> so it was all very much like this, just this focus on, you know, getting dates and getting married and, oh, he's the QRM, um, you know. Oh, she's what was that last thing? The QRM. Q- the, uh, the, the return missionary, right, the RM. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that oh, reminds cute me. QRM. Oh, sorry, I thought Q- you said QRM. I was no, like, what sorry. is a Q but for? Not, not another acronym, but that yeah. does remind me, your non-committal makeout. Um, I was going to ask you about that. It's so real. It's so real. Okay, good. I, you maybe, yeah. I, you know, yeah. no offense to Bill and Gerald, perhaps they just weren't invited to any not, because I, I knew uh, that was a real thing. I was like, I've heard this from more than one person. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, both me and my husband were like, no, that's such a thing. It's a NICMO is the acronym. NICMO. Yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Oh, it's man, such a thing well, totally I, I want to hear about Nickmos because it sounds hilarious. So, yeah, but, but feel free well, to finish your, your story first. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so BYU is very, just, just so much about all the church activities are all about, you know, learning awkwardly. Um, and I just wasn't very interested in going to that, those activities, not just because it was just silly and, and stuff I wasn't interested in anyway. But I got a lot of judgment from that um, for not going to these extra little things. We have something called a ward prayer where your church group gets together, um, I think usually Sunday evenings, and the bishop comes in and gives a little 
message and a few people say prayers, lots of things. Um, and usually I was working on homework or if there's some Relief Society thing going on on Wednesday that I usually wasn't interested in, uh, it was it was kind of like, well, if you're not going, there's something wrong with you. Hmm. If you're not going to some sort of fireside, um, like, why? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why aren't you going? Um, and there's this big push to be, like, really social and really involved. And I just, besides the fact I was totally depressed, is I was focused on my schoolwork, you know? And there's plenty of times where I'm like, no, I got homework to do. Like, I'm... I'm not going to go do that, but I get people. What were you studying? Oh, I, I don't think you oh, mentioned. Oh, theater, theater. Oh, neat. Yeah, which okay. also got me a little flack. Um, uh, well, why do they even have that major then? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's Well, and it's funny because the theater department, I think, was the only way I could survive at BYU. You get a lot of a lot more liberal people, and I had some yeah. great professors. Um, it is really and, weird because someone who has a theater uh, background myself, like it, it, yeah. it would be weird oh. to imagine a conservative theater like that. Just is bizarre. Oh, I have, me. I have a good uh, uh, illustration of exactly what you're talking about. Is um, BYU found that a lot of theater majors that they were sending out um, did not know any theater practices, plays, you know, past 1960. <laughs> we did very few things that were yeah. new because they so used you guys didn't have the BYU spirit. production of Hair. Is that what you're telling me? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there was a lot of things we couldn't do that were really silly um, that we just, just couldn't do. Uh, so they started this class. It was a senior capstone class um, where we actually could read some modern pieces, and it was my favorite class at BYU. Um, we were all asked to read a play that had been written in the past five years and do a little report. So I read vagina monologues. No, no, <laughs> it wasn't that. It was, no, it wasn't vagina monologues. It was, um, it was the vibrator play, the vibrator play. Uh, I was going to say, cause also the vi- v- vagina monologues is a bit older than, than that. I think. Yeah. Sorry. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I, I mixed them up. They're both about vaginas, I guess. But I don't um, know if I've heard of this vibrator one. Oh, it is brilliant. It is it so good. <laughs> and it's, it's all about the invention of the vibrator. Um, and, and it's really a play about relationships. Um, so it's actually, it is a, a, a dramatic or, or something yes. script just yes, with that really, as the it, subject matter or the background. Yes. And it, it's a beautifully written oh, that's interesting. piece and, and just great story and, and messages in it. And, um, so how I was it received when you read this one? I mean, you are in a, a bit of a liberal group, right? Yes. And, you know, I, all the students there were excited to be free, you know, from yeah. the constraints that we were given. A lot of these kids were liberal kids to begin with, but there's just, they're just so, that's why I just, there is an issue with academic freedom at BYU. You know, there really is. Um, yeah. And a lot of professors are tied by what they can teach, uh, what they can do. There's been professors fired by what they've written. Um, and, uh, and so that class was just my favorite class. We were, we did performance art pieces. So, you know, we had uh, one student um, just covered himself and just all these horrible things, like all these, uh, just like, um, uh, it was a message about like these these words and labels that we take on ourselves, and so he was just wearing these little shorts and just had these things written on him, and and it, just all this amazing art that that these kids put together um, that they could now do, and it was an incredible class. It was the one class we were able to be like, no, I I want to do this, you know, I I'm going to um, be naked and smash a mirror, and it's going to, you know, like it was it was just 
so freeing. Um, but that it must was have been nice. Yeah. The one, you know, one little tiny corner of yeah, and, and yeah, and it's so funny because that was the one class where we were able to explore um, more, uh, uh, you know, modern theater yeah, and yeah. Um, ideas and stuff that was going on now. Um, but otherwise, I think it it was very, um, and it depended on your department, it depended on your professor, but um, you were really constrained by that. Um, and going back to the sexism uh, and and those that that you know just like it bugged me before um, at the beginning of the year, and I think this I noticed this um, my second year at BYU is when they changed this and added it in. But I think it's pretty normal for most colleges. You get the syllabus at the beginning of each class, and then it has like a little section about disability and all that you know kind of law stuff that they have to put in there. Um, and I noticed I think my junior or sophomore year that BYU had added a section about basically respecting female teachers, that they are okay to be there, that they should be respected, that, you know, don't give them crap, you know. Oh, um, wow. That was very common. I would, I had a teacher who would get reviews, um, student reviews, that um, were insulting her lesbian haircuts because she had short hair. Uh, I heard um, from another, um, I don't think she was technically a professor, um, but she was teaching a class and she got reviews from female students that basically she was too cute and distracting the male students like that. That's really what it was. And just a lot of other dumb things about that. Just, just um, critiquing female teachers, how they dress, what their haircut, you know, looks like not respecting them. And I think that all kind of goes back to like, you know, it's well, yeah, I mean, you've bred a culture and an attitude that's going to have a, many prejudices about that sort of thing. And it's, yeah. And, and, and then um, you put all, you gather you know, them all together and put them in a university. It's, you know, with, a, with very absolutely. few exceptions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Pressure yeah, cooker. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's why I had, because I was studying um, education and theater at that point, I had someone ask me like, oh, well, when I first met you, I thought you just were looking to get married. You know, because you couldn't be you couldn't be going into a female dominated career that had to do with, um, you know, working with children uh, if you didn't then just want to get married. You know, and, and frankly, it's not a ridiculous assumption to make because a lot of um, classes I had, education classes, a lot of the, the my fellow students said, you know, this is a good career for being a mother. You know, this yeah. is this is a, this is why I'm doing this. And that is, and, and here's the thing I do want to make clear is there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. If that's truly what you want, that's great. Go out and do it. Yeah, of course. Um, and I agree with yeah. that. But it's it's nice when it's actually, you know, someone's choice and not something that's bred out of a culture of just repression and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I struggled so much with the idea that, like, no, you need to be a mother. This is what you want. If you don't want it, there's something wrong with you. You know, and, and that's what just made me so uncomfortable because I, I, especially then, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a mother. I was, I was pretty much against it um, at that time. Like, I don't know if I want that, you know. Um, yeah, well, good luck with funny. that as a Mormon. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and it's funny since leaving the church, though, you know, the notion of having kids is, is a lot more like, oh, maybe, maybe someday, you know. Now I feel like it's my choice. You know, it's not yeah. something that's expected of me. I can actually make that choice for myself.
right, that's it for part one with Megan. Join me for part two, and it's there's a lot. It's a large part two uh, on Thursday. Hey, I want to say that the book club idea I had is probably the best idea I've ever had. Not saying a whole lot, but <laughs> it's really cool. And I also want to thank Danielle so much. Danielle was on in the past um, about AA, uh, and she it turns out she also loves reading and um, put together a Goodreads, I think is the website, uh, group for the book club. And she's managing it. And I just want to thank Danielle so much for that. It's awesome. Um, so you can still get in on it. Just go ahead and email me or I don't I'm not totally sure how Goodreads works. You may be able to just search Goodreads for atheistically speaking or something and join the group that way. Either way. But I believe our first book is decided and it's going to be pale blue dot. So that'll be our first one. And then I'm going to read it. We're all going to read it and we're going to get some sort of discussion. And the bottom line is, even if you're not in the reading club, what I'm really excited about is I want to bring just some learning to the show. You know, whatever we learn from the books, um, you know, once a month or whenever we finish a book, which will probably be about once a month, maybe longer, maybe shorter, depending on the length. I want to bring some knowledge to the show. I want us all to learn something. Um, that's something I really want to do with this show. So that's going to be really fun. I, I'm really excited. And also, join the book club, uh, latecomers, because it, it, there's a cool amount of discussion going on, introduction, and a social aspect to it as well. So that's definitely something you should take advantage of. Also, you should definitely pledge some support at patreon.com slash atheist, but that goes without saying. All right, thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you next episode. (laughs) 